Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome once again, Madam Perry Salon, the podcast where fascinating people meet. I am your hostess, groove mistress and spiritual advisor, Madam Perry, but you can call me Jen, Jennifer, Perry, JP, Ms. Perry, just as long as you're here. And I'm so glad um, that you are. Thanks to everyone who's been following and subscribing and uh, reviews. Spotify tells me that you can now leave reviews while you're listening to the podcast on Spotify. I don't know. I haven't tried it yet, but if you have, let me know. And let me know if it works well. Um, you know, recently we had, uh, well, not too recently, uh, Andy Stillwell was on a couple of months ago. And, you know, her new book is None of this is going according to plan. Now, the first time Brandy was on here, I think she was still working with DC Comics. And she, you know, she wrote on a lot of comic books. Uh, and then, because of a character she created, I think while working with Second City Improv there in Los Angeles, a character she created, which was a Sasquatch detective, uh, got so popular that DC said, well, Let's go ahead and do a comic book about that. So you may know Sasquatch Detective, but uh, you may know uh, Brandy from a lot of her work with shows like Family Guy, um, Mad TV, several films she's done. I've been posting one film that she did. Uh, well, actually, she did voices on it with uh, Natasha Leone and Jane Lynch. So uh, check out Brandy's book. I'm going to have her. Actually, I've just signed her to my, uh, she's my client now. So I'm going to be sending her your way if you want her to talk to your group, school about writing, about comics, about acting. Um, go to your bookstore. Let me know. Yeah, it's a shameless plug, but I've got no shame because it's my podcast. Anyway, uh, also uh, Dave Cos that was on here. I think that man just never quits touring. You know, he was on just as he was when he had a, uh, the last CD come out, he was on the show here, and he said, oh, come on, when we have the cruise again, you got to go on the cruise, this and that. I don't think that man ever quits working. He's always on tour. Also, um, who else has been here lately that was, uh, oh, DC, the Brain Supreme, uh, also known as, <laughs> you know, that's the one thing about jazz and show business stuff, and everybody's got some different names or a stage name, and you get to where that's the only name you know them by. Uh, DC, the Brain Supreme from Tag Team, whoop, there it is. And he's in the Geico commercial saying, scoop, there it is. He was on, he's working on a the show Games People Play. That's, that's uh, well, it's filmed right here in Atlanta. Uh, he was the most fun guest, but, you know, he's, he's probably going to come back on in a few weeks. But remember, that show, he... That man is so generous with wanting to help give solid 
advice and suggestions and directions for people. And I don't mean like don't give up on your dreams, you know, stay strong. I mean, he gave specific steps that people should take when they called in. So that was uh, what a sweetheart. Yeah, he'll be back soon. So uh, tonight I am so psyched. Uh, this guest, um, what a kind man. I think I asked him to be on the podcast several months ago, maybe last year, and now I finally get to it. And he's uh, graciously agreed to come here to this genie bottle, my salon in cyberspace. Uh, he's a science fiction writer, poet, uh, zombie wrangler, former radio guy. He's a speaker. Yeah, you can have him come out and talk to you anytime. Uh He's, I understand he's a podcast host or co-host as well. I don't know. This man, I, I'm finding him everywhere as I begin to research him. So let's just bring him here. Poet, author, zombie wrangler, and many more things, Mr. Matt Betts. Matt, welcome to Madam Perry Salon. Oh, thank you so much, Madam Perry. I really I appreciate it. Uh, I, I love your, your, your bottle. This is a amazing it's like stained glass everywhere it's like you know it's it's colorful and and it's just so amazing to be here and and thank you so much for that great introduction well you're quite welcome and i hope you have a nice uh, i try to get all the nice fluffy pillows fluffed up for you so uh hopefully you'll be very comfortable settle in and you know the more comfortable you are right (laughs) because the more i'll more i'll talk exactamente mi amigo um, Unless it's too comfortable, then I'll fall asleep, and then you've got you know you've got that guest <laughs> on your couch, and you've got a half hour of snoring, which I'm sure your guests that, that have them. Uh, you said you said they could uh, uh, give you a review as the podcast is happening or as the show is happening. Well, wait, is he sleeping? I'm giving you zero stars. You have a sleeping guest. <laughs> no, I'll Not tell them good. that you're doing. <laughs> yeah, there's only so long that I can disguise it as uh, sound effects from uh, from turtle. <laughs> In odd men out. <laughs> right, right. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, it's like a walking, uh, walking uh, big machine. That's what, that's what I sound like snoring. I've, I've been told. Yeah, he's, he's just trying to do the sound effects. He's just trying to bring the book alive for us. So <laughs> Wendy right, does. That's right. Wendy does the airship. Oh, so. Um, <laughs> well, welcome. Uh, you You've got about- so much. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, you were talking about people that uh, you, you, you know their stage name, but half the time you don't know their real name. I mean, coming up in radio and, and, and hanging out with so many authors, half the time I don't know whether they're using a stage name or they're using a pen name or it's their real name. And sometimes I'll know someone for years, and somebody will be like, oh, you didn't know his real name was John Smith? And I'm like, what? No. <laughs> so it, it, happens, it, it happens regularly. I mean, it happened not, not that long ago at other conferences. Like, oh, you didn't know that was a pen name? <laughs> You know, I had no idea. I had no clue. <laughs> That's true. Um, I remember around t- 2000, uh, the local jazz station at Clark Atlanta University, uh, they were doing a photo of everyone playing jazz in Atlanta at the turn of the century. And it was on a Sunday afternoon. They figured everybody would be free. And so we all met up. And w- people were, and I know you can picture this, Matt, people hmm were introducing themselves to other people. And then they would say, yeah, man, I know. We gigged last night at uh, Dante's Down the Hatch. And it kept on till people realized they had not seen each other in daylight before. So that's <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I worked, uh, I worked the uh, night shift in radio from, you know, 11 to 
six in the morning for several uh, several different stations over the years. And, you know, there are people I, I, I don't think I ever did see in the daylight. The morning show would come in and, you know, they would start their thing and I would go home at, you know, I'd be home by seven in the morning and back to sleep. And the rest of the crew, the rest of the, the staff, I never saw them. But those people I never saw in daylight. Because uh, at the time I was in college when I started, and uh, you know I would just I'd go straight home, or I'd have to go straight to an exam, or just straight to a class, or whatever. So I didn't get to hang around and meet everybody, or hang around and talk. It was you know oh. I'd go out. It was dark. <laughs> it was dark. I, I I had to get out. I had to go. So yeah, wow. yeah there were a lot of people I I literally never saw in the daytime. So you're there physically, but you're in a different world. It sounds like like. Like you actually have an alternate universe going on, or or you did, or anybody that sometimes. Was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was really weird. I mean, it, you know, when I look back on it, you know, at the advanced age I'm at now, and look back at that, those college years, and what, and and try and remember when I actually slept. You know, I I, I would go to work <laughs> at you know eleven o'clock at night, and I I'd, I'd come come home, I'd be home at seven, and either if I could get some sleep, great. If I had a class, I would just stay up and. I, I struggle to remember sleeping in college, and and today I, I just there's no way I could handle that. You know, like my my body does not uh, agree with that lifestyle anymore. You know, uh, and it's the same with writing. I used to stay up in writing until you know one or two in the morning or later, and uh, uh, I can't do that anymore. You know, it's just uh, my, my the words do not flow so well at one in the morning for me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in fact, one of my favorite jobs in college, I worked at a, a comedy club, and uh, you know I would go in at seven o'clock, and we'd all be there. We would close at one, uh, clean up until maybe two, and then none of us wanted to go home, so we would go over to somebody's house, and we would we all a bunch of us had instruments or whatever, you know, we play guitar, or, you know, and we'd sit around and drink and play guitar until we realized it was six in the morning, and had to get going and do either another job or we had to go to bed or we had to go to a class. And uh, I mean, that, like I said, I love the job itself, you know, being in a comedy club and, and seeing all these greats do their acts was, was great to begin with. And then we just sort of had that fun high going when we left that we just didn't want to go home and go to bed. So let's, let's all go do something else. And it became a thing where we just packed up and went to somebody's house. Yeah, I guess it's, you're, you're still very exhilarated from, from the, from the scene, from the comedy, from the energy. Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, did you ever do stand-up? I never did, and uh, I people always told me I should. You know, because I like to write humor. I I, I, you know, I love doing comedy. I love that job. And uh, you know, you have those friends who are like, "Oh, you should be a comedian," but they don't really look at mm-hmm. it from the, the idea of being on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought about it, and then uh, I was a waiter. They had like they had a, an open mic night. And I was a waiter for the open mic night. They only put like one or two people on uh, those uh, those nights because it wasn't really that busy. It was, you know. So I was waiting, and, and somebody walked up to me and said, "Hey, we went to school together." And I said, "What?" And so I talked to him, and we apparently we, we and we did. We went to um, I think it was high school. We went to high school together. I said, "Oh, that's great." And he said, "I am going to go up and do this." And he went up and did a set, and it went terribly. I mean, just you know, I applaud him for getting up and doing it, but I just, just kind of the the look and the feeling that I got from him, I thought, oh man, I don't know if I can do that. You know, and maybe I could now, but at that, you know, I, ego or whatever just kept me from going up. I just did not want to crash and burn. You know, I just couldn't couldn't handle it. So uh, I enjoyed just sitting back from afar and watching people do it and 
and uh, you know, like I said, the people that came through there were, were usually you know big names and everything else. So I love doing that, and I just could not picture getting up on that stage and doing it myself. So. But you do a lot of public speaking, don't you? I do. Like I said, today I, it might be different. I, I, I enjoy public speaking. I, you know, and I, I'm used to. Um, I'm used to criticism because I also teach um, kids. Uh, there's a, a place here, a uh, place in the Columbus where I live now that, uh, called the Thurber House where they do a lot of great writing programming for kids. And uh, so I'll, I sometimes teach classes there and sometimes I teach their, their writing summer camp, but I'm used to kind of bombing in front of, you know, an audience because I, you know, <laughs> I'm a little bit older than most. We're talking like kindergarten through, you know, all the way through high school. So most of them do not have my frame of reference when I'm telling a joke or I'm making a, you know, making an obscure reference. They just don't even, they look at me funny and we move <laughs> on. But um, so I'm used to bombing in front of an audience, but they're usually much younger. So I, I build up that thicker skin now. And, I, you know, I'll get up and I'll read my work in, in public. And uh, so sometimes that goes well and sometimes that does not. So it, it, you're right. I mean, at this point, it's it's different. But it, but back then, I, I, I was, you know, so sort of painfully shy about getting up and, and talking to people sort of that where I'm the total center of attention. I mean, I still did – I did news and I did DJing and stuff when I was in college. But getting up there and being that sort of – open and, and free with everybody just was not my thing yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, it, yeah, it is different. It, it's, it's about as naked as you can be. At, like Jerry right. Seinfeld says, you got nothing, no backup band. You got nobody up there if anything goes wrong. But, you know, um, yeah. now I remember, uh, well, actually it was an incident where um, I had this accident and it was on my, it was on, uh, it was on my birthday and I thought of all mm. the things that I'd you know, uh, if if I had never done this or tried this, you know, I'd be regretful. So I thought I always wanted to try to sing, but not in front of people. So what I did to get over my stage fright was take a course in stand-up comedy. And, oh, nice. And then they, of course, most of the people there didn't want to do stand-up. They just wanted to be able to give presentations at work uh, and so forth. So I did that, and, of course, uh you know, we have our graduation in a big comedy club, uh, the Punchline in Atlanta, and it is it is planned so well because everyone has to be there at the same time. You just can't just come when your person's going to be on. Uh, they give them, and it has to be at a certain time so that they've got at least two hours of drink time in before we start. And just so <laughs> it's just like you know that right. they set it up. They set us up to succeed. In other words. And, right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and we give the, uh, the teacher. We gave him our had to give him our um, our list, our jokes, you know, our, our script that we were going to do, our material, so that if we forgot a line, he could step out and give it to us. And which sounded horrifying, but it wasn't so bad right. when it happened. It turned out yeah. very funny. So yeah, yeah it's uh, but I, it helps I can to get have a friendly that. audience. Yeah, if oh, you, yeah. you had a friendly audience, that helps tremendously. But if, you know, walking out there and, and having no idea what the mood is, and, you know. But, yeah, no, that's great. Um, there's a place in Columbus that does the same, that, that does sort of improv classes, and I've been thinking about doing that myself. But, uh, yeah, I, I, that's got to be really, uh, really helpful. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then, you know, the thing is once you get out, and I'm sure you know this with with friends of yours, if you go out to hit the open mic, you know, the same material uh, you might do, two weeks in a row, but in different parts of town. And so one mm, place right. it, it might kill, the other place you might bomb. But it's the Absolutely. same. Yeah, but it's just, that's that's part of the excitement, you know, too. And it's the rush. So 
yeah, that got me over my fear so I could do other things. Now, what am I doing? I'm here on this podcast where, you know, it's quarantine casual, audio only, yeah. hair and makeup <laughs> people. I saved you a lot of money with the hair and makeup folks and stuff. There you go. Oh, absolutely. Especially the makeup, yeah. But I think another thing you probably had <laughs> as, a, as a bonus was that um, yeah. now I've, um, I'm a publicist, as you know, and one mm-hmm. of the things why I didn't want to work with authors anymore is that so many people see, and I know you've seen it, and I know as a writer, mm-hmm. you may cringe at this like I do, uh. but every time there's a TV show or a movie and all of a sudden a character starts scribbling in a notebook and writing well, I'm thinking about writing a book, and then a week later, they've got a publisher interested, and then their first book comes out, and the bookstore is chock full. they got a line around the street, <laughs> and people think that that's what it's going to be like, oh, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and so I was like, hey, yeah, the first one might be like that. The second, look, this happens to famous people, too. You know, the first one, yeah, you, it's your hometown. You should have a lot of people there. Uh, the next <laughs> one. Maybe not, you know, maybe three right. people like uh, Carol and C said in her book, then the next time there were three people who just came in to get out of the rain. And then another, the next time it will be full, you don't know. But um, so for any of my past or hopefully future clients, uh, I'd like you to tell them a story. Now, your books are extremely popular and you're popular, Thanks. but there was a story you. told in a on a podcast I was listening to, uh, I don't know if it was the one from All Access Con or a different one, but you were talking about um, first book and you were doing a signing at a con. Oh, and there were several. The, 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 go ahead. Sorry. Is it the one with the other... uh, very very popular author? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, uh, getting that first book going is crazy. Uh, for, for that particular book, my, my first book is called Oddman Out. It came out in uh, 2013. But, I, you know, I, it was one of my first books. I wrote another one at about the same time, and I really did not know what I was doing. Um, you know, I hadn't taken classes on writing book novels. I hadn't taken, you know, I'd taken basic English classes from, you know, university and stuff like that. So it took a long time for me to get this done. And it just so happened that a friend of mine, uh, I, I've been, I started sending out to agents, and I was getting what was called good rejection, where uh-huh. actually the agent gets back to you and says, you know, I liked it, but I, you lost me here, or, you know, I really enjoy this, but it's not quite for us, so maybe, you know, maybe if you did this or you did that, it might be better for us. Uh, so I got really good rejection, so it was very encouraging. And uh, one of my friends came and said, you know, wh- wh- where's the book at? And I said, you know, it's kind of out there floating around. It turns out she was going to be the editor of a new line of books for this horror, um, this horror publisher. Uh, and she was going to be the editor for their new sci-fi line, which is great. And one, just want to take a look at it. And she and the, uh, the publisher liked it. And so I was going to be one of their first ones out there. They were launching with like three books. And uh, I, I think it was either the, the very first place we went, the first conference we went to, um, with the book was in Baltimore. It was around D.C. somewhere. And the, the headliner is uh, George R. R. Martin. Uh, you know, and this is, you know, big Game of Thrones stuff, you know, it's, mm. when this is first hitting and really, you know, knocking it out of the park. And so we're like, oh, this is going to draw a lot of people into the conference. It's terrific. And so in the middle of the, the thing, it was like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and so on, I can't remember if it was a Friday. It was probably Saturday night. They had an all-author signing where – 
every author that was there could have a table and sit there and get their books signed. They're, they're going to have you know, all the conference attendees, all the, the people, the readers or whoever was attending uh, could come through and get their books signed, buy books from you or buy them from your publisher and have them signed. And at the head of the, at the big other end of the ballroom was George R. R. Martin. And they could walk up onto this sort of stage and get their books signed by him. And it's like, this is great. So uh, we're getting set up and we're kind of waiting around for it to open walk out of the hallway to get a drink and uh, there's a line from one of the doors down the hallway and it comes all the way down uh, this, this, this side of the, uh, the ballroom and um, goes around the corner and keeps on going down the next hallway. And I'm looking at the, at some of my, you know, my buddies were like, Oh, this is terrific. Look at all these people. And uh, so we walk back in, it's time. And, and, Almost every single one of those people went up and got something signed by George R. R. Martin, and then they left. They didn't walk through the rest of the, the book, the book signing, and and talk to other authors and find out other you know other books. They got their stuff, they got their posters, they got their DVD sets or whatever it was, their books, and then they they just took off and left. Um, and so we were all kind of sitting there twiddling our thumbs from it. Like any second now, that crowd's going to come down that from him and come over our way, and it never happened. Uh, it was. It was so disappointing. You know, like I said, after all the work you've been doing, you're like, all right, here it is. This is the payoff. This is my, my first big day. And uh, it, just, it, it, it wasn't just me. It was everybody. You know, there may have been some people that were, you know, uh, bigger names that, that got some, some books sold and signed. But for the most part, just about everybody else was just sort of passed by. It was, it was a weird night. It, but it, but it kind of toughened your skin a little more, you know. You're like, oh, okay. And and like you said, one one day, you know, with the comedians, you might go to one club and you kill, and the next one, you know, nobody wants to know your name. And so as an author, you got to realize that if you're going to a certain, you know, you might do well at one con, and, and the next one, you, there's going to be crickets, or there may be terrible attendance or, or whatever. And uh, as much as you want to kill every single time, it just doesn't happen. Oh, yes. Yeah. Somebody might say you're funny this time, but the next time they might say you're mean mm-hmm. – or, um, right, right. Or, or come up with something like, like uh, uh, let's see, what did I get a few times? Like, hey, I really, really like the stuff you do. Um, here's a joke you could use. Uh, so these two right. priests go into a bar, and I'm going, yeah, what, one's got a, a parrot under his arm or something, that one? And the other, yeah, yeah, you heard this? Uh, no, but I think it'd be much better if you tell it. You know, I don't think I could do it justice. Right. So, yeah, yeah like that. But, you know, it's like a master class, though, isn't it? Because nobody's going to take you aside and yeah. tell you. And when I had right. a, a client get upset about something, I had her at an event at Book Expo America. You know, that's a big deal. Ooh. Oh, it's huge, yeah. Yeah, I said, you know, um, I had a signing for her there. I said, you know, the thing is this. Think of your favorite authors that you would like to meet. Now, if you're waiting with them, in a green room area behind some place, and they're telling stories about when they had no crowd show up or people didn't like them or bad reviews, and you don't have the same kind of story to share, they're going to take you out in the parking lot and just whoop, beat you. Well, in the South, we whoop. <laughs> but they're going to whoop right, you right. out in the parking lot, right. and you shall deserve it, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. So, well, yeah, I, it's like know, a master Right. And, and, and for, I've been fortunate. You know, I, my books sort of you know, fall between sci-fi and horror and, and you know, a little of both in, in everything. But um, the, the horror community from the people that I've met and the people I've hung out with have been very generous with their time. Um, 
And I've, I've always, you know, I, I met a couple of really popular authors, and they always make some time to give me some advice, or they don't mind taking me aside and saying, "Look, this is a bad, bad idea. Don't, you know, don't sign with these people, or don't do that, or or whatever. Or, you know, you need to you know, do X, Y, and Z to to make this book sell, or whatever." Um, I've been very fortunate to find that 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 the the horror community, especially with the horror writers of America, have been really. The people I've met through there have been terrific about it. And it isn't always the case, you know, with people you meet out there. And like you said, there are people that, you know, are focused on themselves. <laughs> they want to sell their books. And if you're not mm-hmm. selling yours, it's not their problem, you know. So, but <laughs> luckily, I've, I've, I've found some terrific people who really, you know, are, share their wisdom and, and, and really are, uh, have, have gotten me to where I am at this point. And uh, that's why I kind of like teaching, going back and teaching, like I said, at the Thurber House and things like that, just because people have been generous for me. So I try and find a way to pay that back somehow, whether it's an upcoming author or whether it's you know, just kids that want to learn something about writing. Yeah, keep the good vibes going. By the way, this is a good right. time to say, if you're listening live tonight, and this is uh, June 7th, 2022, 8.24 p.m., uh, GMT minus five, or is it four with time change? Uh, <laughs> and you want to say something to Matt, you can do that. He's a friendly guy. Uh, the number is 646-716-9922. Blog Talk Radio assures me it is a... Uh, toll-free call in the continental U.S., but 646-716-9922. And for people, and I think we've all been here, Matt, people who are listening, but they can't make a call because of their job or whatever is going on around them, or they got to be quiet for a sleeping baby or something, then you can just message in a question to me on Facebook, either through Madam Perry Salon or Jennifer Maudette Perry, and I'll be happy to share it with Matt. Um, well, now I forgot the other thing I was going to say. So, um, <laughs> uh, uh, counselor, your witness. <laughs> <laughs> Sidebar, Your Honor. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'm 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 thrilled to be here, and I I would love to talk to uh, anybody that has a question or uh, wants to talk writing in general or a question directly for me. I, I I'd love to uh, to make something up or I mean answer it. So you know. All right. Now. Um, yeah, you know, interesting thing you said. Okay, oh, we got a call. This one's all right. Uh, coming in. Uh, give me just one second. We're going to bring you in into the power of suggestion. I know. I know. I told you, people. People love you. <laughs> um, you know, you're right. The horror. Um, I never really kept up with a lot of horror writers until people began suggesting them, or their publishers began asking to put them on the podcast. And they have been so charming and so friendly and helpful. Not only. Uh, to me and sharing my podcast, but also to each other and some of your best friends like Mercedes Yar- uh, Yardley. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Is she the sweetest person? And as well as a she good is. writer. Uh, lots yeah. of folks. Well, I've got somebody here. So let's say welcome to Madam Terry Salon. Uh, you're on here with Matt Betts. Introduce yourself. Well, hello. It's Elise Draper. <gasps> hello. Oh. My gosh, Elise Draper. Hi, guys. How are you? I am good. How are you? Oh, I'm terrific. Thank you. It's uh, a lovely day. uh, Where are you? It was finally a lovely day. Yeah, we had a lot of rain before I came out here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been hit or miss. You know, in Colorado, we wish it would hit. And hit and hit and hit. 
It's uh, a little I, dry. I miss Colorado. I already miss Colorado. That's uh, that's uh, went to the horror writers conference up there in Colorado. Yes, StokerCon was just here too. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. why I went to StokerCon. And then the last conference I went to before the pandemic hit, I went to Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers, I think, or Colorado Gold, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Yep. The uh, we had a we met with uh, my daughter and I actually were at StokerCon doing the whole brunch thing. We met up with JG Fogarty and a couple others. We should have we should have gotten in touch so we could have some lunch. Yeah. Brunch over at the yeah. And, I, I made the biggest mistake of deciding to take an early flight out on Sunday, so I decided to cram as much as I could into Saturday. So I was like in in every you know every every uh, workshop I could get into and everything else, and then I will oh, never yeah. do that again. Uh, just yeah. because I, I cram so much in and then had to leave. So and and you know Colorado is one of the beautiful most beautiful states in the country, I love it. but you don't get yeah. to see it when you're you're okay. in the middle of downtown. And and I would have actually loved taking all of you lowlanders up up to altitude just to you know. <laughs> right. I was, I was surprised. I, I and I've never done that. I've only been to Colorado twice and both times for conferences. But I was I laughed because I went to a convenience store to get something to drink and I saw they sold oxygen. This this like Seven yeah. Eleven had little containers of really? oxygen. I went oh oh yeah oh yeah like little small ones and they had a little bit bigger ones and I was just so shocked. It is um, altitude sickness is a real problem here. So they mm. they would they make it available, especially after the pandemic. I think they found that yeah. uh, it it was easy for especially you know how many long termers are having lung issues and they're sure. a mile above sea level in our lowest point. So yeah, it's, absolutely. They can, can eat them Sorry, just a yeah. little bit. But <laughs> well, I've been last... over for a while. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I was going to say the last time I talked to you was during our interview, and yeah. um, and at, that was in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. And how are you doing? You're getting out. You're going to conferences now. Do you have any new books? Uh, finally, uh, I don't have any new books. Uh, I've, I've got one that's out there. I'm I'm uh, trying to get an agent, so I've got a couple of agents that have it right now, and I'm waiting to hear from them. Hopefully, fingers crossed. And then I started writing a uh, new. Trilogy that um, uh, hopefully uh, the first one hopefully will be ready by uh, by Christmas time, if not the first of the year. Um, just uh, I wanted to write a uh, just a fun sort of uh, X Files, but basically just around cryptid sort of thing. So uh, yeah, series. Yeah, it follows a, an FBI agent and a, a state trooper, and they end up uh, getting pulled into this organization, investigates Bigfoot and all this fun stuff. So. Uh, for anybody so who's listening, for anybody who's listening who hasn't read Matt's work, it is truly a love letter if, uh, to to Asher uh, and, and um, the, the stairs <laughs> and the confusion and the general perspective is always fun. No, thank yeah, you. Thank yeah, yeah. I, I I enjoyed it. <laughs> and you know, you know, isn't that fun? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's uh Jennifer and I had talked back and forth and, and when she told me that you were on, oh my goodness, I just was so excited to hear that you are out and beating back the beast that is yeah. not writing, not publishing that. And uh yeah, yeah. I really hope that you get that agent and they can get some of the stuff on the screen because it's really Thank quite you. 
it it's original, and we are desperate for original viewing. I think. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that, and I might start putting that in my cover letter. Uh, he's, he's a really, he's <laughs> yeah, I'll sign letter. it for people you. Are, people are desperate for that. Thank you. Yeah. And, well, it you is. Know, thank you. Uh, I, I think it's kind of, you know, when you talk about my work, it's like stuff that I want to read that just isn't out there, stuff that, you know, is sort of a, mm-hmm. a big mixture of the things I loved when I was a kid and, and just want to put it all together and see what happens. And usually it comes out kind of fun. Yeah, and you know, uh, when you when you're writing as long as we have, and you've run the game as long as we mm-hmm. have, it's um, and and it's funny that that most of us that stick to it also have background in comedy and radio and and acting. And right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> everything else. I mean, I I think it comes from we've been beaten down so hard yeah. that we're like, right. you bad uh, critic. Yeah. No, you're nothing. Right. I got things thrown at me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes, absolutely. Oh, and, and and Jennifer mentioned the uh, drinking a couple before going doing the comedy. Oh hell, yeah. I drank during. I think I was drunk during our interview. <laughs> Wait, oh, your interview with Matt or your interview with me? Oh no, just now when you were talking to Matt about when you guys would go for, before you go on stage, you'd have that couple yeah. hours in the bar to waste yeah. nothing, get your drink on. I'm like, hell, two hours. I was drinking during. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, actually, what that was, uh, Elise, was that because it was my graduation uh, from our comedy class, oh. they wanted mm. our guests who came to see us to have two hours to drink so they would laugh at anything we said and make us feel good. <laughs> oh, oh, see, you know, that's brilliant. That's, that's right. brilliant. I know. That's why, th- that's why things were thrown at me because I was the only one that was drunk. That's <laughs> why. <laughs> So you can't do I that get with the audience now. with a podcast or with a, with radio. You can't get the audience drunk through those methods. You know, uh, you're, you're on your own. You know? I know. <laughs> it's it's true. It's true. Although you know, Greg Holland and Zombie Jack and that crew, I I I got to tell you, if you didn't drink, you're in trouble. This is the. This is, it's just good to, to hear our, our groups coming out from under the, behind closed doors. And I'm so glad to hear you out and about, Matt. It's, this is good. Thank you. This makes me happy. Yeah. I, and I, I think we talked about it a little bit, but it, you know, after, even during the pandemic, you know, it was one of those things where you said, oh, great, I've got all this free time now, you know, might as well make the most of it and I'm going to write, but it just didn't work for me. I just, I would sit down and I was completely blank. I have, I have notebooks full of ideas that I've got, you know, I've got uh, stories already, you know, planned out and I just sat down and none of it yeah. worked for me. So uh, yeah. yeah, I'm thrilled to get out there and get that recharge from seeing my friends and seeing people at conferences and, and uh, finally getting to teach classes and stuff like that again in person rather than through the Zoom or whatever we had. You know? Right, right. Yeah. And, and um, it's, it's funny because it seems like, you know, everybody thinks that a writer sits behind a desk all day long and we're used to being an introverted in the house and so on and so forth. But I... Right. W- I think that was a, a standard message of, of all the writers, the professional successful writers that I know. We were all yeah. kind of like, we were stumped because yeah, we need okay. to live. Yeah, we've got to live. It's, we don't live behind a desk as much as, as people would like to think we do. So this, this okay. finally getting through was good. 
the the finally getting out. Right, right. And um, and then taking advantage of the world. Right, right. So, well, for me, I think what's really getting me going is that my kids are out of school now, and so I, I, I mm-hmm. I've always kind of had that worry about them in the back of my head, even with lower, you know, pandemic rates or lower, you know, COVID rates and everything else. Just having them out there was something that was always in the back of my head that sort of made me worry. So. Yeah, I, I think that that's – what What about you, Jim? I mean, you stayed on top of these podcasts, and you've had some mm-hmm. amazing guests on during the pandemic. Thank you so much for giving us that entertainment. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. But you know what? I've got to tell you, I went at it with the attitude of they're not doing anything else, you know? Okay, sure, they're busy because they're right. on a Netflix right. series, but what are they doing right now? <laughs> oh. right. In fact, um, i got to tell you um, – that's how what a knucklehead I am. Um, you know, Art Marine that plays Regina Sinclair on Insatiable on Netflix. Have you seen that? Mm. No, I uh, haven't, I've but my daughter's it. watched it and loved it. Okay. Yeah, well, that's the character. Yeah. Her character is the one that um, uh, she's a real estate agent, and she stole an Asian baby at a mall when the baby was, well, but now she's grown up. Um, and, of course, when the girl finds out about it, she tells her, but, you know, out of all the Asian babies that were there, you're the one that I chose. So uh, oh, that's the kind of show it is. And, of course, her wow. nemesis is uh, played by uh, Alyssa Milano because uh, she's, I think she's Ooh. seeing Alyssa's husband. You know, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a stupid, it's a funny show. It's really is. Right. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I asked her, and she said, yeah. And then before the show started, I said, um, I am so excited. I can't believe you're on my show. She said, well, you did ask me, remember? So, yeah. But, yeah, you know. When you, you but don't thank you for saying that. Yeah. Are you still doing the music? Sorry, oh no! I'm sorry. Keep going. Yes, it's Mel. Well, this is so your show. I had on. on <laughs> I was just saying there was something that I ended up, oh, you know, getting on you know, the podcast that I, I, I'm like, should I ask them? I can't ask them. Don't let her say yes. You know, but you never know until you actually ask them. And like you said, you know, it's it's they weren't doing too much anyway, so why not? You know. <laughs> see, see, you understand. Right. Really does. Yeah. You do. You think that, but, and the thing, absolutely. and you know lots more people than I do. But um, <laughs> but I think that's when I saw a thing with uh, uh, Chris Chris Rock uh, on on Kimmel, and of course there's it was zoomed in. He wasn't there in person because it was. He goes, man, I hate it out here. I hate not being famous. I hate not being out and being recognized. This is awful. This is a right. horrible way to live. <laughs> yeah. So right. yeah. So thank you very much for that, Elise. Because yeah, that was. Uh, I wanted to take advantage and still keep things going for everybody um, and for me. Yeah, yeah. Keep it entertaining. So when are you going to have a new book for us? Oh, actually, you know what I've been working on lately is I'm actually the marketing uh, manager for a publishing house. And, uh, yeah, narrative nonfiction. So I've been working with them, uh, organizing everything and getting getting them out of the academic field and into the uh, the general population. New York Times bestsellers. So lately, it's been more talk of the C-SPAN book TV than it has been writing anything mm-hmm. really fun, press so releases said, and the like. You know, because you're a publicist. Yeah. 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 So you. So it's, yeah. it's, it's nonfiction. It is. It's nonfiction. But okay. I, I'm. I'm. 
and I, and I don't think I'm premature in saying this. That by next year, uh, we'll probably branch off to a a fiction imprint. So that'll be fun. But so, the, like uh, you... uh, no, go right ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, I hate no. Just um, just a thought. Uh, if you have say like if you had a friend who was kind of funny, and um, she had a book of essays about her life that she called it Memoirs of a Misanthrope, but they were very funny. Um, and she had a podcast to promote it with. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, just saying, yeah. just, just an idea. I'm just making stuff as I go along. Okay. <laughs> I think I think I, I think I might talk to that friend and and see if they'd be interested in submitting. Yeah. <laughs> this <All right>. is, um, <laughs> we can make that work. Have you had uh, now before you get uncomfortable and leave? Is like, oh God, let me get away from her before she asks again. Uh, have you read no. any of the Carson of Venus series of Matt Betts? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, those were the. Is this the, the, is this the new? Uh, that's my latest. Yeah, that well, it came out uh, twenty one. So yeah, not 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 that not that long ago. Well, tell oh, us all well, about I'm it. Behind. While we gals are sitting yeah. here, get, get, a, get your nice pillow that you used last time and get comfortable and let Matt tell us oh, all oh, about okay. it. It's like bedtime story. Yes. I would love that. Well, it's, it's one of those cases uh, where uh, you were, you were kind of, I was kind of in the right place at the right time. Uh, I had uh, applied to write some books, sort of uh, uh, role-playing game type, type adventure novels with a, uh, a, a gaming company. At, but uh, they said you know, they weren't quite what I was looking for. But the uh, gentleman who's in charge of it uh, eventually moved over to um, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs' estate. So he became their uh, director of publications. And uh, it's Christopher Paul Carey is his name. And so he said, you know, that you weren't quite right for that job way back when, but, but we want to talk to you about writing, continuing a series that Edgar Rice Burroughs started in the 19, uh, I guess he started probably in the, uh, writing in the 20s, 1920s, and uh, maybe last wrote in, he was writing another book in the 1940s in this series when uh, World World War II broke out. Literally, he was in Hawaii writing when the war broke out. And so he put this uh, series aside, this Carson and Venus series, put it in his drawer and went off to, you know, do whatever he could do for the war effort and uh, just never came back to it. So, uh, he might, I think he came back to some of his other books after that, like Tarzan and, and, and the like. But uh, so, you know, fast forward and here uh, they want to sort of not reboot the series. They want to literally continue that series, you know, where he left off more or less. You know, you take his world and his characters and, uh, and, and make it a little uh, – make it more uh, sort of – adventurous for, 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 you know, a whole new, you know, millennium or whatever, a whole new uh, uh, century and, uh, and, and started up. So we talked for a while about characters and we ended up with uh, me doing this Carson of Venus, who was, like I said, probably one of his lesser known characters, but he had done, uh, I believe, I'm, 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 I don't have my PR notes on that anymore, but I think he did four and a half books, did like four books and a, uh, like a novella with his character. And so they okay. wanted to start that up. And then um, continue this, this, make a whole new series, but with all these famous characters. So I wrote this Carson Avini to start this sort of mini series. The next guy was uh, wrote Tarzan, and then uh, uh, John Carter of Mars, and then the end of the series is 
coming out soon. It's a whole new character uh, that's being written into this uh, this world. So you know, it was kind of fun because I was in the right place at the right time. I I got to be the you know the first person to write a story that was commissioned as canon. Uh, for Edgar Rice Burroughs' uh, work, you know there are other books that have been written that you know famous people wrote, and then they said, okay, we'll put that and make it part of Burroughs' canon. Uh, but I was the first yeah. person who said, hey, we want you to write a book, in, and it'll be canon from day one, which was exciting. Um, and then oh also, yeah, canon, what an honor! Yeah. Right. So I got to set up this whole series, this whole arc of books, and then uh, they said, hey, we're also going to write a three-issue comic book. Uh, and so I helped write that a little bit. You know, I gave him the plot and we talked it over. And so as a big comic book fan from when I was a kid, it was a blast to, to get to write and, oh, and yeah. bring that to life. And then, you know, so it was, it's a blast. And so it was really well received. Uh, I've been to some pulp conferences since. And uh, I, I, you know, a lot of people who really know the characters and really know Burroughs, you know, came up to me and said how much they enjoyed it. So it was terrific. Oh, that's an honor. Now, now the, the, the manuscripts that he had put in and put away because Pearl Harbor and all that, I did it. But did you get to see these manuscripts? Were they ever published? Uh, I, you know, like I said, I, all they've ever told me is that he started writing another book uh, when when the war broke out. So I don't know right. if he had a, I don't know if he, how far he got, if he was just plotting or if he, you know, so I, I yeah, I didn't get to see any, any yeah. of the uh, originals, unfortunately. But that's okay. I and mean, as with your ghostwriting and, and and other skill set, you can just you can take a voice and run with it. I know you can. Oh that, my yeah, goodness, what an honor. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Hey, um you know, and, and and even better because at first I kept reading it wrong and thought it said Carson of Vegas and I looked at the cover, you know, <laughs> with the with that picture, I thought, that, well, it might be a different, yeah. But Carson of Venus, yeah. Hey, guys, hold on a second. Vegas, if, you're, yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, oh, I'm we come in and dress like that into a Vegas. They're going to think, oh, what? The, what? What are they, break curtain or something? Well, that's not going to start yet. So, um, uh, if you, just one second, folks. If you're listening live, I'm talking with my guest is Matt Betts, poet, author. Zombie Wrangler, and we have a very special mutual friend here, writer Elise Draper. Very cool. And I've got, a, if you want to call, 646-716-9922 or send a message, we're happy to. Guys, would you mind just sitting back and kind of cushioning into your cushions and uh, while I play something, this will be about two minutes. Ready? All right. Okay. Uh-huh. Do you like podcasts that feature high-profile interviews? I do. Two girls, one gold shop. Oh, my. I think you've got the wrong end of the stick. <laughs> what sort of stick are you referring to? Flobo voice. How are you, Flobo? I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this, but, man, I love your voice. I am transported wow. to confidential. You like podcasts that offer audio skits? I do. Ma'am, you also need to pay for your vegetables. Not according to Proposition 47. Our food debt is under $950, so we're, so we're good to go. You like podcasts that have original music? I, I do. Then I invite you both to visit www.hesaidsheheard.com and again www.hesaidsheheard.com. I mean, the world has gone crazy, right? 
I mean, this whole pandemic, I, I, I don't even know if I'm coming or going anymore. You know what I mean? But the one thing during the pandemic that I found out, right, that was a good thing was the Madame Paris Salon. I mean, this podcast, right, when you hear her laughing, all you want to do is laugh, right? When her dog's barking in the background and she's talking to the dog, I'm like, she's going to an interview, and I'm like, this podcast is the best podcast I've ever heard before. You know what I mean? Now, back here with Matt Bet and our friend Elise Draper. Matt, I know Sebastian Maniscalco there didn't impress you because you met Larry Miller in person who gave you a oh, yeah. career advice. Yeah, yeah. Larry Miller, uh, you know, like I said, I love working at the comedy club. And there's just so many great people that were coming through there. And Larry Miller, um, you know, I, I, you, you know him if you see him, whether even if you don't know the name off the top of your head, but – uh, he uh, was in so many terrific movies. It was really big at the time too, uh, but his setup is just terrific. And uh, I was working for the paper uh, at the college at the time, and I was working at the comedy club. And he let me interview him, and was just generous with his time, and uh, you know was really generous with you know making sure I was comfortable with the interview rather than him being comfortable. But he eventually talked about his career. You know, he was an actor and a stand-up, but he started out uh, playing music. He was uh, you know he's sort of classically trained with you know I think the piano and a couple other instruments. And so I, I kind of talked to him about you know what what the difference in, is creatively for each of these sort of fields, comedy and acting and music. And, uh, you know, why, why wouldn't you just focus on one of them? And he, he said, you know, that um, each one of those things feeds a different part of him creatively. And whether, you know, you're stuck with a, you know, on a character or you're stuck on a, a line uh, for uh, a, an act or something, that you know the music feeds into that. Each of them is a different type of creativity and sort of frees you up as you're as you're working on one of them. You know, so uh, you you never have to do just one thing. There's no reason to do just one thing if you're creative and if you're you know if, if you love doing something, keep doing it and it'll it'll help everything you do. You know, uh, so yeah, oh, yeah. just uh, yeah. And I've I, you know I, uh, I I I've tried to you know live by that you know doing poetry doing uh, you know teaching and and uh, I love music I'm mostly listening to it I used to play all the time but uh, just don't find the time because I'm so busy at this point um, but yeah you know I've always loved doing all this creative stuff and it's kind of like why I, I enjoyed doing the podcast so much was I got to interview other creative people and find out how you know, what one thing fed into another thing and fed into another thing for them. And uh, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was just, it was just great advice. And I still think about it all, you know, I, it's not written above my, uh, above my office, but it probably should be. Since you've, since you've mentioned poetry, oh. that's what I was going to bring up too, if I could. Uh, your poet, people know you, uh, you've been in uh, Arkham Tales, Ethereal Tales, The Triangulation, Taking Flight Anthology, mm-hmm. Bizarro Fiction, The Journal of Experimental Fiction, uh, everything, yeah. but your poetry has been published, and let's see, your poet poem, uh, Godzilla's Better Half, nominated for a Riesling yeah. Award, the Science Fiction Poetry Association's highest honor, and your poetry's yeah. appeared in Starline, Escape Clause, Book of Tentacles, Illuming, 2010 Riesling uh, Anthology, 
uh, Kaleidoscope and so many. And one of your pieces was mentioned in a New York Times article on zombie poetry. That about, that <laughs> That's a weird one, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's that? You've been in the yes. New York Times? Yes, I have. For what? Well, you know, zombie poetry. Yeah, that, <laughs> zombie. that was one that just was yes. so weird. It just I, sort of well, unfolded like said, throughout a day. <laughs> Go ahead. There's some there's there's points when it, it you actually are courting Dolly. You, you send <laughs> love letters to ushers and court Dolly. So it's it's really you're an artistic guy. We're giving a literature <laughs> edge to this poetry Thank about you. zombies. You know, this is this is how we're well, gonna. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So I, I, you know, I started out, I was writing a novel and I just was, you know, didn't have any training, didn't know what I was doing and it was taking a long time. And I, but I had joined a writer's group in my hometown or in my current hometown. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, I was exploring all kinds of things and I wrote a couple of things and, and one of the people in the group said, well, this is terrific um, prose poetry. And I, I said, well, that's exactly what I meant to do. Well, I have no idea what prose poetry is. So <laughs> I, we have, we sat down and talked about it, and I started taking some, you know, started going to conferences and found out that uh, one of the conferences here in town, I found out that there is such thing as horror poetry and sci-fi poetry, speculative poetry is called. Oh, sure. And Absolutely. So I wasn't really good at writing, like, uh, quote, uh, normal poetry that, you know, flowers and love and all that stuff, but I could write about flowers and love with a vampire in it or with, you know, a zombie in it or something. <laughs> And and it still you know, would make it into some journals. It would make it into the best ofs here and there and things like that. So uh, I started doing that. I started writing about subjects that I enjoyed and, and infusing them with, you know, actual emotion, but through the eyes of whatever, like the Godzilla poem. Uh, so the Godzilla poem started with um, uh, a bunch of different parts, basically. The, the poem is about – it's a humorous piece about – Godzilla destroying Tokyo and his girlfriend or his wife asking, you know, why, why do you keep doing this basically? And, um, <laughs> and so it came together through me watching my son then who was, you know, just learning to crawl and he would crawl around the living room and knock over all these block towers. And I wondered, <laughs> and, and he, he would get really mad if he picked him up without him knocking down that tower. He would cry. So it was kind of me asking him this question, why is it that important to him? But then thinking about something else that I loved, like Godzilla, mm-hmm. my favorite movies, why does Godzilla destroy Tokyo all the time? And so mm-hmm. they sort of weave together, you know, uh, different things. And, you know, there was a song uh, lyric in there that I loved, and I found a way that it sort of made sense in here. Um, but, yeah, I had no idea that any of this was a thing, that horror poetry was a thing until I met some people at, at a conference. And, and then I just wow. loved doing it. And I'm still trying to write that book, right? But I'm writing this poetry, and the poetry is making me some money. I'm sending it off to magazines, and I'm getting a few bucks here and there, while the thing I really want to do is sort of, you know, sticking his tongue out at me. And so whenever I got stuck, I would just stop and write some poetry until I got unstuck and go back to the writing. And um, it just became something I loved doing uh, on the, sort of at the side there. And you talked about the, the New York Times thing. It was uh, funny because, you know, early on with Google and a couple other things, you could uh, you still could do it, but um, uh, you could, like, set a, a whatever it is, a watch for your name, and it would, whenever your name came up in the media or whenever it came up on the web, they would send you an email and say, you know, your, your name was used here or there. And I got one one day, but I couldn't open it for some reason. It was, like, behind a paywall or something. And it said Matt Betts, and then it said something about the New York Times. 
And I said, well, I know of at least four other Matt Betzes that pop up. It's got to be one of them. Why would I pop up in the New York Times? <laughs> so, but I kept, uh, I, was, I was supposed to be at my day job. I was working. I was trying to figure out what was going on, but I, I was supposed to be doing my day job. And then finally we cracked it. And here was this, it was about the time that uh, The Walking Dead was starting to get big. It was like the first season had done so well. And so they were writing, you know, an article about, sort of a different angle on the zombie thing. And it was a whole article right. about zombie poetry. And so they quoted one of my poems just sort of out of the blue in the New York Times. And, you know, my name's there. So mm-hmm. it was really a big, exciting, weird thing all of a sudden to, to be able to say, I'm in the New York Times <laughs> for zombie poetry. Boy. Hey, I've, I've got to ask you. I should have asked you this earlier, and I apologize for that. Could you read Godzilla's Better Half to us? Do you have it handy? Do you have it uh, I could. Uh, give me just one second, and I'll uh, grab the copy. Thank you. <laughs> no, I love Please. it. There's reorganizing of pillows. I hear it. I hear it. <laughs> you know, oh, 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 I'll braid his hair. You get the key, and we can just let him read. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm going to find my glasses, I suppose. Now i got to see what I'm doing. Okay. Uh, well, originally, uh, I wrote this, and it was called um, uh, it was called the night Godzilla dumped his chick, and uh, I sent it to this uh, I sent it to this place, and the the editor says I really like this, and I, you know I have a couple words here that I want to change, but do you think what do you think of changing the name to Godzilla's better half? And this guy was a very very famous poet, so I said sure we'll we'll change the name. And, that's uh, where it ended up, but the original was called "The Godzilla Dumps His Chick," and, and um, I don't know which name is better. Uh, I, I think it's a uh, it's a fun poem for people to, to read, but I, it's really fun to to hear it. I think I, I really enjoy doing it when we do like poetry readings and you know open mics and stuff like that, just because it's fun to actually read. And the the other thing is, there's some things I wrote in here that the reason I, the other reason why I like reading it out loud. There were a couple of things I put in here that I didn't realize were funny until I was reading it, and people just started cracking up at something, and I thought, oh, oh, that is funny, isn't that? But I didn't it, so. Okay. All right, let me give it a shot here. <clears throat> uh, Godzilla's better half. <clears throat> what is it about Tokyo that keeps you going back there time after time to wreck it, to tear it down like you do? I want to understand, my darling Gojira. Is it a hatred, a compulsion, maybe? Do you wake from terrible dreams with the city's name on your lips? It was impressive when you leveled the town the first time, but when you obliterate the same city over and over, it just looks like you're afraid to try something new. Like you have no ambition. I believe in you, baby. It's everyone else that needs to see what you can do. Is there another woman that draws you, breath flaming scales of Twitter? Is that it? Is the destruction all a cover-up, something to divert attention away from your indiscretion? Look at me. I'm crushing your power station, not cheating on my significant other. Does she make you so crazy that you feel like knocking down a few buildings just to show off to her? Is she the type that's impressed by a fleeing populace and a stymied army? I woke in the middle of the night, and you were gone. The bed seemed so big without you there. You told me you went jogging, but I could smell Tokyo on your clothes, on your breath. I knew you were lying to me. What is it about Tokyo? If it's not a big deal, if it's not a big deal, take me with you next time and show me why you love it and hate it, why you embrace it and push it away. 
Take me with you, and we'll smash tanks and topple skyscrapers together. So that's uh, 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 Godzilla's better half. Yeah. That's, that that's fantastic. Thank you. I, I, uh, there mm-hmm. are a lot of people that tell me that. There's a, there's a, there's a teacher who's told me he's read it to his classes, and, and, and I just uh, – a professor that says he's used it as an example in, in some of his classes. I'm always blown away by that. Um, oh. But the one thing in here that, that, that makes me laugh every time because I didn't realize it was funny was um, uh, I woke in the middle of the night when you were gone. The bed seemed so big without you there, and it never – I mean that it's a funny line that Godzilla's got to have a pretty huge bed. But it never occurred that that's what I was saying. And so the first time I was reading it, people were laughing. And I thought, what is so funny? And then I start laughing. Oh, it's fantastic. It's just fantastic. I, would, uh... I, 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 I enjoy reading that as much as it seems people enjoy listening to it. So that, that's always good when you can have that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Good. Listen, this has been so much fun. And I know I've kept you longer than I thought than I told you I would. Oh. Uh, but thank you so much uh, oh, thank for you. being so generous with your time and for bringing your, for having such cool friends as Elise Draper to not only share and promote this show <laughs> on her wall like she did, but to also come here and um, help me class up the joint. Uh, there you go. Thank you, Elise. Uh, also, I will be... I'll be sharing on um, if you're a lot of people tell me they listen while they're jogging or when they're driving. So um, if you want to find Matt's work, I will be sharing links to his work and to his podcast as soon as he gives me that link. Cause I have found all kinds of podcasts with that name. I got to be honest. And um, <laughs> yes. there's a whacked out bunch there. So uh, yeah. I will be sharing on all of my social media, not just Madam Perry Salon, but on Jennifer Perry, Jennifer Maudette Perry. I'll be sharing links to go find Matt's work, his website, and all kind of cool stuff. And the same thing for Elise Draper. Elise, just go ahead and send it to me uh, so that you don't have to miss a thing. And I am so grateful. Uh, please, please don't make this your only visit to Madam Perry Salon now that you've got the pill just right. <laughs> Absolutely. It's comfy. Thank you so it's much, Mom. It's a pleasure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always love and, coming here. I feel so refreshed. And Elise, Elise, you'll have to come back. We're, we should have a. I haven't done this in years. We should have a pajama party show where we're all uh, with, with oh. a bunch of fun people on the topic. Absolutely, what? that would be a kick in the pants. All right. All right. I can dig it. I can dig it. Okay. I'm going to close out. Uh, Everybody be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. I think you're all wonderful. I'm going to close out with my song. Everybody's got the swing. If you want a copy of the CD, let me know. I'll send it to you. If you don't like this song, well, just keep it to yourself. Okay. So. Vibe. And simple Simon was bumping and grinding and scatting and rocking.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.